0: We return to Philippians chapter 4. We look at verse 4 this evening, and as I mentioned, as the letter closes, it deals with a number of things, applications, um, things that are not unrelated, but sometimes not as specifically related each verse you go, kind of like the end of Romans. Uh, But we will keep considering the context. Verse 4, uh, you might tie it in, as some commentators do with the earlier verses, you might tie it in with also verse 5, but I'd like to just give it its own attention tonight. It's a, it's a verse that we know so well, and I think it, it warrants its own attention, and frankly I, I want to emphasize it because I want to see us do this more and more. Uh, I want to, I trust you want to more and more in your life, so by honing in on it, and giving repetition to it, in a sense, I pray that the Lord will cause us to be leaving a more regularly rejoicing people. Here now, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. I'm going to try a little harder. I'd like to see some smiles, perhaps. <laughs> Don't worry. I think the Lord will have you smiling before the end. It's that kind of a verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice. Uh, maybe this will do it. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, again I say rejoice. Well, that's that's the verse. I think you all know that. But to get the full sense, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, 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 again I say rejoice, 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 again I say rejoice. Shall I sing it again? My sons are saying, that's good, Dad. <laughs> well, I think there's a place to keep singing that, you know. I want to get that in your head. I think you know it well. My hope is you can't get this song out of your head when you leave this evening. And that you're able to go to it more regularly. And because we're told by Paul to rejoice, and then he repeat, I'll say it again. Rejoice. And how often? Always. There's different manifestations of that, especially as we go through difficulties. But I would point to the Psalm 63 we just sang that talked a lot about, I will rejoice, I will rejoice. And yet the context is he's going through difficult things. And why is he rejoicing? As many times the scriptures say to rejoice, because God has saved us from something. God is delivering us from something. And isn't that what we're going through now as Christians and through this world? We're in the process of being delivered. We have been delivered. We'll be living some more. God is with us. Who can be against us? He will never leave you nor forsake us. What greater cause to rejoicing? Because the cause of rejoicing always, and I say it again, rejoice. What's the cause? In the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. I belabor the point by singing that verse twice because it has that echoic effect ability to stay with you and go out with you and be in your heart and lips regularly repeating it also because that's what he's doing he's repeating himself and he's already said this earlier and he's saying it again and he's repeating himself again Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. 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 Again, I say rejoice. 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 Again, I say rejoice. My sons are about ready to ask the elders to come up and get me, but I want to just drill it in, screw it into your skulls rejoice! And singing is a good way to do it. Singing is a good way to be able to bring yourself up in rejoicing, no matter how low you are with what's happening. That's why it's so glorious to go to the Psalms, of course, primarily. But have this in your heart. Sing it with your children. Repetitively rejoice in your Redeemer. That's the message for you from this text this evening. Simply put, repetitively rejoice in your redeemer, repetitively rejoice in your redeemer. I'll say it again: repetitively rejoice in your redeemer. It's no trouble for me to say it again. Repetitively rejoice in your redeemer. Isaiah six verse three is a scripture we know well, and it's reflected and uh, repeated in Revelation four verse eight. As he responds to the Lord's holiness, holy. Holy, holy art thou, Lord God Almighty. Three times he says, Holy. I'm not aware of anywhere else in Scripture where you see that kind of repetition. Holy, holy, holy. Why do I bring that up? As I've shared with you before, R.C. Sproul explains, when the Bible wants to do something like, oh, that's really important, that's really good, I'm going to underline that. Some of you do that. Some of you like to highlight. I'm a big highlighter. My problem is I've got to go back through the book and highlight it again because they fade in some of my older books, at least. But, you know, some of us, there's different ways we might note of something. And so, in this case, with Isaiah and Revelation, three times holy God is emphasizing, as R.C. Sproul says, that's the way the Bible does it, repetition. And Here you have it three times, God's attribute, his holiness. That's what is really emphasized that we don't forget, that we focus on God's holiness. The emphasis, the important thing to be emphasized is by way of repetition. And so, here, beloved... Okay, I'll hold off and sing it for a little while. But so here, the constant repetition of the command, mind you, not the choice of an option, but the choice of obeying a command is to rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Always rejoice. We'll see he talks similarly already elsewhere. Again, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Now that's similar to chapter 3, verse 1. Let's take a look. We've been there before. And I actually preached a sermon on this uh, in isolation. as a topical sermon not long ago. I preached this more in its context uh, as we've been going through the letter together exegetically. But look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Now, I think he's talking about writing a lot of the kinds of things he's already been talking about. But I think rejoicing in the Lord as well. Could be a summary of it because what has it been talking about a lot from chapter one? Rejoicing through all kinds of problems, rejoicing in the advance of the gospel that is happening because of my suffering. But because it's my service of the Lord in the Lord, I rejoice with you, Philippian church, going through similar struggles as we partner together in the Lord to advance the kingdom as we have for years fellow yoke fellows for years, as I said in the last few verses. So he's been talking about rejoicing. I rejoice. I rejoice that they're trying to do something bad to me in preaching the gospel because the gospel's getting preached. And so I rejoice. Rejoice. No problem to write it again. And back to our verse in chapter 4, verse 4. Now think about what he says in 3, verse 1, and then really give that some attention when we have it here again in 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But he just said in chapter 3 verse 1, rejoice in the Lord, same phrase. He says to write the same things is no problem. He continues to command us to rejoice. And beloved, part of why I want to emphasize this is I think you and I, some who are more melancholy like myself, I think you and I, sometimes, if we're going through a very difficult thing, we think we have the option to exempt ourselves from that command. We don't have to rejoice in the Lord. But the opposite is to, is, is to what? Kind of scary if you think about it. Is it to curse the Lord, perhaps? Is it to complain complain against the Lord? Those would be the things that are opposite of rejoicing in Him, right? We don't have the option not to rejoice in the Lord. The opposite is... To despise the Lord, perhaps? See, it's a big deal. It's a command. Rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't give an exception clause. Except for you because I know your disposition is different. Except for you because I know this really bad thing and, uh, of your history is there. You know, It's not making light of those things. But it's giving us the remedy for those things. And through those things. You can always rejoice when you choose to rejoice in the Lord's command. Uh, this idea of the letter... Uh, rejoicing. It's it's a sub-theme. It's not the main idea. It's not the main purpose of the letter. But some people almost think it is because it's just brought up so much. The evidence of rejoicing before, the commands to rejoicing through the end. Keep on keeping on rejoicing in the Lord. Now, chapter 3, verse 1 told us that. So again, what amount of repetition. And beyond that, he repeats himself and then emphasizes always, always. way. What part of all don't we understand? What part of all are we missing? This is not that there's not a place for crying and sorrow. Paul tells us in Romans, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. But of course, you may be in a time of weeping and you're commanded to rejoice for those who have a time of rejoicing. And those who are rejoicing are to be supporting you in weeping. Life is complicated. We're in a fallen world, but we have a risen Savior. Remember again, Paul is rejoicing earlier in this letter for suffering, and he's probably rejoicing to get him through his suffering. And I'm not sure any of us have really experienced what he did, yet just at that place. And yet he says, rejoice in the Lord, and I find myself rejoicing. This word rejoice in Greek means to be glad, means to be cheerful, means to be full of joy. Be glad, be full of joy, and be cheerful. Now it's interesting, uh, Luther says a Christian should and must be a cheerful person. If he isn't, the devil is tempting him. We need to think about that before we want to wallow in our sorrow in a sense that's ungodly sorrow. There is a worldly sorrow we need to be careful about. The right thing for a Christian is to be cheerful. Beloved, rejoice even during bad times. Remember Romans 8:28. Bad things can be a cause of rejoicing. If we can stop and think about that, the Lord is with us. He's our good shepherd bringing us through it. And Romans 8.28 reminds us that God is doing all things for our good. If he's doing all things for our good and we can catch ourselves and think about that, it doesn't mean we don't lament the, the sorrow, the pain, the troubles for ourselves or others. It doesn't mean we don't allow ourselves to go through those things. The Psalms do that, but they always find resolve in the Lord. They go to the Lord And there's a rejoicing that comes in it as they remember how the Lord is delivering them through all things and, in fact, working all things for their good. And I appreciate, I think it was Thomas Watson, I think it's always helpful to be reminded of this, about this verse, I think it is. Uh, You know, if you make a cake, there are things that have to go into the cake of ingredients. As they all mix together, they make it a good cake. But I don't think any of us are interested in eating baking soda on its own, <laughs> right? Or even probably salt on its own or whatever goes in cake that doesn't taste good because, you know, I pretty much eat the cake. I don't bake the cake so much, so, which is for everyone's own good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but uh, think about that. Some of those things, if you don't put it in the cake, you wouldn't think about salt, but if it doesn't have it or a cookie – It's not the same cookie, right? Some of you are like, "Oh no, I don't want that," you know. So the ingredients that may be bitter or uh, not on their own desirable, they work together to make a great cake. It's all for your good, and in that sense, thinking about heaven particularly and how you'll look back on it all and understand the back part of the uh, the tapestry of providence, you'll be able to rejoice in all of it. We're imperfect. We're sinful. We're being commanded, and we're hoping the Lord will help us grow in obeying this command. And it is for our own good. Chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, let's look at that again. It's for our own good to rejoice. You know, we think it's for our own good to to be miserable. I don't know about you. I've never felt better growing in miserableness, misery. I, I never have. It doesn't work. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, But for you, it is safe. Now, certainly, I think he's talking about more than rejoicing. He's talking about a lot that has come, but a lot of it has talked about rejoicing, and all of this leads to the command to rejoice, and it is for you to be safe. Certainly, it at least includes this idea of safety in rejoicing. And when I did preach a standalone topical sermon on this verse, the message was, to be safe, rejoice in the Lord. And let's remember what we've learned elsewhere uh, a number of times. Satan wants to get us with every other sin to despair. Just as we saw in Pilgrim's Progress, because that's where you can get you might be able to influence a person to take their life. Rejoicing is safe. Misery misery and discouragement, depression, and wallowing in it, and you know, just letting it fester in the wrong ways is not safe. It's just not for your own good rejoicing in the lord regardless being learning how to rejoice in the lord even in those difficult moments is what is safe but also it's what's so regularly appropriate because god is constantly saving us through these things and we need to rejoice and recognize it and praise him so choose safety choose to rejoice psalm 35 verse 9 And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. you think this is a choice you can make? My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. Notice, in the Lord. We'll get to that next. But my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. I am not a victim to my circumstances. I can arise above them more than a conqueror and praise the Lord with my hands held high even as I weep and tears drip off my face. You can't say I can't rejoice in the Lord. It's a command, and he enables you to. Psalm 9 verse 2, I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praises to thy name, O thou most high. Notice how the rejoicing happens because of the object of that rejoicing and the The way of rejoicing in the Lord, and we'll again talk about that more in a moment. But right now we just talk about the rejoicing. I will rejoice. I will be glad. I will rejoice. I will obey God's command, and it's good for me to do so. Psalm 31, verse 7. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble, thou hast known my soul in adversities. I'll rejoice in you because you give me mercy and you have known me through my sorrows. It's kind of like you see a dear friend you've been through something, a deep issue through. You rejoice to see one another. And Paul's talking like that with the Philippian church. I rejoice to be communicating with you, hearing from you, sharing with you how things are going. You know, band of brothers. Beloved, this is how you keep rejoicing all the time, even bad times. Because all the time, your God is good. Rejoice all the time, because all the time, your God is good. Mark 20, verse 10, the wise men are looking for the star where they will find Jesus to save us of our sins. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Because that's where the Lord Jesus would be. You see that's how you can respond in the Lord. And he doesn't tell us just to rejoice abstractly. He doesn't tell us to conjure up joy within ourselves when it's not there. He says rejoice in the Lord always. Maybe we could say part of the command is rejoice always in the Lord and not something or someone else, right? Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice In the Lord, in the Lord. In chapter 3, verse 1, it was the same thing. Rejoice in the Lord. That phrase, in the Lord, is already coming up in verses 1 and 2. How do we stand fast together? How do we uh, stand fast together by thinking the same thing together? Both verses, in the Lord. We stand fast together in the Lord. By thinking the same thing in the Lord. So we can rejoice together in the Lord. That's why we can come to worship and praise the Lord every Lord's Day. And just thank Him and rejoice in Him. Because it's in Him. It's in Him. And from Him and to Him, through Him and to Him are all things. We can always rejoice in the Lord You choose what is best to think about, the Lord Jesus, and all you have now in him, and especially at his return. Paul's giving us that kind of idea at the end of running the race and standing fast in chapter 3, leading into chapter 4, our resurrection, our hope in the glory of Jesus Christ. It's all about his return and living life with Jesus face to face. And we're so rejoicing in our future, that is certain. So how can we not rejoice now as he leads us along the way to the celestial city and uses us for the advancement of his kingdom that others would come to know the joy of the Lord as their strength and salvation? The word rejoice in the Greek could be translated hail. Hail. I acknowledge you with you praise and honor. This is how you can praise, rejoice at all times because you're rejoicing in the Lord. You're hailing the Lord for who He is. You're, you're losing yourself in a sense or finding yourself in the Lord and in the Lord there is always rejoicing. In the good times and through the difficult providences. Praise the Lord. Glorify the Lord. You could almost hear rejoice in the Lord almost like praise the Lord. And isn't that what we do when we're thankful or happy about something? Praise the Lord. We need to be able to do that all the time. Praise the Lord. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him? Or praise him? That's how you step on the devil's head. And that's how you honor God. And you can do this. Don't tell me to rejoice all the time. I can't. I'm sad. I'm depressed. And a lot of times there's a good reason to, to feel that way. You are just sad or depressed. And a lot of other times you have no business wallowing in your depression. You have no business choosing to be downtrodden. Go back to Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, where it's repeated three times there. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disquieted within me? Trust in God, for I shall yet help, uh, trust in Him for the help of His countenance. You can do it. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. I just can't. Yes, you can. You know how I know? Another really well-known verse. Look at verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And in the context, he's saying, I can learn to be content in all things good and bad. I can learn how to think about the right things and have peace, the peace of God, that passeth all understanding and keeps my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I appreciate I've often quoted that verse and left out all, I think, by mistake. Mr. Renner's helped me recognize, don't forget the all. That's important. Why? Because I'm told to rejoice all way. I can have the peace of God, pass His understanding in all things. I can learn to be content, whether it's good or bad, where I have or I don't. How can we not learn to rejoice? How can we not rejoice in the Lord when we can learn to be peaceful and have His peace and be content in any situation? Who else has that? Everybody's pretending they have it and making a lot of money, but they don't have it. And the people who buy it just look for the next thing to buy. And nothing gives God's peace but God. Nothing gives God's contentment but God. Nothing can cause you to rejoice in everything at all the time but God, Jesus, and the hope of the resurrection and he who is the resurrection. Rejoice in Jesus all the time. How can we not? Paul says we can. Paul says you can. In Jesus, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me and enables me to rejoice. Beloved, you are not called to rejoice outside the Lord ever. And how could you? But in him, you are called to and can rejoice always in him. Isaiah sixty-one, verse ten. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. See, we got to remember what we deserve. Hell on earth and then hell forever. Crying out with gnashing of teeth forever. That's what we deserve. That's all we deserve. So to already be saved by that is a cause for rejoicing. And remembering that whatever hell we face on this earth is is all the hell we'll ever see. That's a cause for rejoicing. When I think about what eternal hell would be looking like and what it would look like as I look to my and your Savior suffering it for you on the cross, body and soul. A cause to rejoice. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And not only saving me from hell, but putting on me your righteousness. Putting on me your holiness. Decorating me with your beauty. Zephaniah 3, verse 14. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad. And rejoice with all the heart of O daughter of Jerusalem. That and some other uh, scriptures in uh, Zephaniah earlier uh, talk about about that kind of thing, looking forward to the coming of Christ. You always can be rejoicing when you are always responding to Jesus, your Redeemer. It doesn't mean you're not always crying sometimes too or facing going through other things. But your strength and safety is in the rejoicing, and you can always rejoice in Jesus, your Savior, Redeemer, the one who is going to raise you from the dead and give you everlasting life, and you'll never be able to even sin again, and there'll be no tears in heaven. You can rejoice in that, you can rejoice in the hope of glory. You always can be rejoicing when you are always responding to Jesus, your Redeemer, whom, having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. 1 Peter 1, verse 8, he says, You don't see him yet, and yet you can rejoice in him. You do rejoice in him with joy unspeakable. I think about that. I'm not exactly sure where this is going, but you know, there's times where you're like so happy. So I'm like, you can't even say why you're happy. You're just so happy, right? You can answer someone, how can you be rejoicing right now? And your answer can be Jesus. Jesus. Psalm 63, verses 5, 7, and 11. As you sang this evening, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. And that's a bit anticipatory. Think and anticipate heaven, and rejoice over how you'll be rejoicing in heaven with nothing holding you back or holding you down. It goes on to say, Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. And Habakkuk 3.18, which you might know it as maybe one of the most relevant scriptures in a sense of summarizing or explaining this. I think I did preach on it a while ago saying, though all this stuff is happening, yet I will rejoice. Habakkuk 3.18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Another way to summarize this verse and its repeated repetition, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, is first Thessalonians 5, verse 16. That would be a very good one to, to write down and easy to memorize. Here it is. You ready? Don't miss it. But it is easy to memorize. Here it is. Rejoice evermore. Done. That's a pretty good summary, I think, of what Paul keeps saying and repeating himself. Rejoice evermore. Now, I was going to have that be the message for you tonight. Rejoice evermore. And that certainly would be probably in some ways more helpful. Here's why I didn't. The Greek word for evermore is the same word in our text tonight for always. Rejoice always, you could say. It doesn't have in the Lord in that part, but of course it's implied and understood. And I don't know about you, but when I hear evermore, I almost... I, I, maybe you don't, but in my head I kind of get fairy tales and ever after. And, you know, It sounds future. You know, It sounds like a fairy tale, but it's now. It's now and always rejoicing. It's not a future thing only. And I don't want to miss the present call of regular exaltations of joy in Jesus that we're commanded right now, and we can benefit from right now. And this verse, again, comes just after verses 1 to 3. How to get along in the Lord. And a good way to get along with other Christians through petty differences that could risk degrading into division, last week, is to be in the Lord. More specifically, what's more, to be rejoicing in the Lord. You know how it is. We can handle everything better when we're rejoicing in the Lord. And therefore, we can handle everybody else better <laughs> in the Lord. Remember last week, I shared uh, from Jay Montgomery Boyce's commentary on Philippians. He... Oh, no, excuse me. It was... Um, I'm going through his commentary, but this, remember, was uh, uh, one of his messages playing on the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals uh, phone app. And I, uh, I often... We'll turn something on by him to listen to while I'm rocking the boys to sleep. And as you know, I was blown away of the timing because it was, the message was how to get along with others. I said, well, that's perfect. I'm going to listen to this while I'm rocking the boys. Probably I'll get a little nugget for the sermon tonight. And then as I started playing, sure enough, it was on the very same exact text, Philippians 4, verses uh, 2 and 3. I said, wow, wow, thank you, Lord. Just felt like see, God is with us. Am I, how did that, I, I had nothing to do with that, and thankfully the Lord led me to listen to it. What I want to review with you that I shared with you last week, uh, during that message, Jay Montgomery Boyce stopped early and began to interview the Reverend Ralph Kuiper. And while they were talking about this, he referred us to Ephesians 5, 18-21. I won't read it tonight like I did last week, but I want to review one thing that he said. Based on Ephesians five eighteen to 21 which he said is Paul's recipe for getting along with one another. He said there are three important traits for getting along with others based on that text in Ephesians. I'm going to go backwards. To emphasize what I want to emphasize, you probably know what it is, right? I'm going to go backwards. Three important traits of a person who can get along with other people. Number three, be a self-disciplined person. Number three, be a self-disciplined person to be someone who can get along with others. Number two, I feel like I want to do a drum roll here. Number two... Be a grateful person. You're going to be someone that can get along with others. You're going to be a self-disciplined person. And you're going to be a grateful, thankful person. Number one. Ready? Ah, here it is. Number one. Be a joyous person. Be a joyous person. The three traits of someone who can get along with others. Maybe not completely unrelated to verse 4 tonight. Be a joyous person so you get along with others. So Paul says rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Not just individually. Rejoice in the Lord together. You're all in the Lord Jesus. Rejoice in him. Just as Paul's encouraged them to put aside their petty differences so it doesn't turn into something worse. He mostly commends them for who they are. All these years working with him and the Lord and one another, he almost just passes by quick. I just need to touch on it, but that's all I need to say. Be a joyous person. I mean, whatever your differences are, when you can just be rejoicing in the commonality of your service of the Lord Jesus Christ together, to be thankful that you've been called to be this way, to be growing in self-discipline, to serve him well in your private and public life together, be joyous that's the first trait be a joyous person now remember also the proper order of joy i know we review this many times but it does not i don't have a problem repeating it again as paul does you know it's no problem for me to repeat it and again i say rejoice joy j period o period y period here's how you have joy and i've met a lot of people who just love that but then they prove to be so angry. And they don't have an ability to work with others. They don't have any peace. And they're not thankful. They're not grateful. Because they get it spelled backwards. They spell it as Yaj. You first. You know, me first, really, right? Others second. Jesus comes last. You never have joy that way, ever. You just have Yaj. Blech. I don't even know what that is. It's not joy. How do you have joy? Get the right order. Jesus first. Right? What's he say in Matthew 6 33? Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things will be given to you as well. Jesus first. Others second. Chapters 2 and chapter 3 of Philippians. You third. In that order, only in that order. And rejoice. And if you switch the order, especially if you put Jesus last, there'll be no joy and you won't be rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord together in the Lord. And maybe at some point when you just finally start Stop laughing and calm down and the chuckles quiet down. Maybe you'll think about yourself, but if you do, it'll be, (laughs) I feel great. Rejoice in Jesus regardless of what others are doing. And better yet, rejoice in the Lord, serving him together, celebrating your mutual love and family, abundantly victorious life and eternal home. You know, sometimes you can be thinking ahead. We're almost there for vacation. You can be thinking there almost almost off of work. I'm about to go get me a nice ice cream or whatever. And just being able to think about that ahead of you. Ah, I can't wait. We can rejoice in the resurrection coming for us. We can rejoice we've been raised from the dead when our spirits will be raised from our bodies. We can rejoice that we'll inherit the entire earth. We can rejoice that we'll inherit all things in Christ. All that Christ has saved you from, think about. All that Christ has saved you unto, and all that he will get you through at the moment, are cause for rejoicing. All are causes for regular, repetitive rejoicing. Beloved, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Don't worry, I'm not going to break out in song in that again. But, I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter His courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, for He hath made me glad. He has made me glad, He has made me glad. I will rejoice, for He has made me glad. He has made me glad, He has made me glad. glad. I will rejoice, for He has made me glad. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing the whole thing again. But I'll take the chorus. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Yes, I feel a little silly. Yes, I'm concerned. I may be judged being silly. But I don't care. Because I want you to have those songs in your head for the rest of this week and the weeks to come so that you remember to repetitively rejoice in your Redeemer. And by the way, whatever songs are out there you might like to sing on the radio, there's a reason there are songs also for advertisements because they build in memory by echoic retention. So, sing to the Lord. You don't want to sing those songs, just go straight to the Psalms. Certainly, don't exclude the Psalms and primarily sing them for worship proper, but just to cheer you along the way, following the cloud of witnesses before you, so that you keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith and race. Put those songs, tuck them away in their heart. Say to yourself, I will rejoice. For he hath made me glad. I'll say it again. I will rejoice. For he hath made me glad. I will rejoice in the Lord God my Savior. I will rejoice. Beloved, repetitively rejoice in your Redeemer. That's the message for you tonight. Repetitively rejoice in your Redeemer. And you better watch out. If I see you not smiling in the fellowship hall, I see you not really getting too happy about the Lord. I'm going to come over there. I'm going to start singing with you. I'm going to start singing with you. I will corral you with song and embarrass you, just like I do to my kids when they're all upset. And uh, I say, it's time to be happy. And I you need to be happy. You need to be happy. Don't, don't be happy. And then they can't help start laughing. Right? You know, I'll tickle you with rejoicing in the Lord. We all need it. And by the way, beloved, would you do that for me? Because I'm going to need that help too. Rejoice in the Lord. Repetitively rejoice in your Redeemer. Let us pray. O Lord, we do thank you for Jesus Christ. We do thank you for his church. We do thank you for the family and household of God. We do thank you that you have saved us, that you are delivering us. We do thank you for the promise that the hope we have within us, the resurrection with you as our first fruits, guaranteeing it in front of our eyes and grounding it in our heart. How much do we have to rejoice in you? And we can rejoice in you. And you command us to, for your glory and for our own good. So cause us to remember regularly, repetitively rejoicing in you. And we'll learn those words and we'll learn to have the song of the Lord, on our heart. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our God. We thank you for being our shepherd. We thank you for not leaving us alone in this world. And we thank you for saving us from it and giving us a new, purified heaven and earth where we will be singing your praises, rejoicing in you, and our complete deliverance forever and ever. Meanwhile, let us practice and rejoice evermore. In Jesus' name, and all your people said, Amen.